welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Good day. How are you? I am fine. Thank you for asking. Today on the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where I'm going to always remind you to avoid the downs and savor the ups, I'm going to talk about a very controversial issue in our country today, and that is guns. Yes, shoot them up, bang, bang, guns. Now, before I get to the cases I want to discuss, I think it's appropriate that you have an idea where my head is. And this is something that I've struggled with for years because I absolutely 110 million percent believe that we as Americans have the right to protect ourselves. There has been much discussion where individuals have flip-flopped, I believe, for political purposes, including the past President Obama, uh, who took a position on one side, and then when he started becoming involved in politics, he recognized that he needed to change his position. And that is whether the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution gives us a right to own a gun. So Obama said originally no, and then he changed his opinion. And if you go and research this, you're going to find equal number of articles and opinions on both sides of the fence by legal scholars as to what that constitutional amendment really does say and what it really does mean. I don't have an opinion, quite honestly, because I do believe on the one hand that we have the right to protect ourselves, and on the other hand, I am very concerned about the safety of innocents, people who get shot by accident because there was a gun lying around. So I see both sides of the fence. My history includes uh, being a regular guest on the Andy Parks show when he had a radio program many years ago with a very conservative uh, right-wing newspaper, the Washington Times, here in the Washington, D.C. area. I agreed to go on to the show uh, once a week for about 40 minutes, 30 minutes, what have you, to discuss legal cases. And invariably, Andy and I would end up having conversations uh, about many of the political issues of the day, even though at the beginning of the morning when I would go in there, I would say something like, Andy, no politics today. No politics. There's enough people in that space. I don't want to get into it. I'm a legal guy. One of the things that we talked about frequently off air was guns. And I have a very good friend who every, oh, five, six, seven months or so calls me and tells me about this special gun or this special rifle he's saving up to buy. And then when he gets it, he sends me a text message showing it to me and telling me how wonderful it is. And I'm happy for him. He goes out and he goes duck hunting or something like that. Anyway, this is a very controversial issue and people on both sides of it uh, have excellent arguments from a common sense and a morality standpoint and from a legal standpoint. Nonetheless, I want to go into some cases and share with you what has happened. There was a case um, that 
came out of California where a teenager um, uh, went off, uh, a, teenager, a teenager, I should say, was killed when a loaded shotgun went off. A 19-year-old young man by the name of Jose uh, went with his family to a party at the home of some friends. The young man went upstairs with two brothers uh, in the household, ages 19 and 21, and one of them began handling a loaded shotgun. Uh, it went off, and the young man, uh, Jose, was fatally shot. His mother uh, sued the brothers and their mother, alleging that the son's negligence caused her son's death. Now, the end of the case is such that they settled for homeowner's insurance limits. There's always limits on insurance policies, and in this case, it was $300,000. It was a relatively short trial from what I can read, and the negligence was clear. In this case, a loaded shotgun being uh, available in the home uh, was determined to be negligent. The understanding was that it should have been locked away. There's a second case that I want to talk about, and I want to share with you that normally if you are a listener of my show here, I give you the facts of the case and I come back after a break and I tell you what happened. I'm changing that up a little bit on this show today because I have three cases, and the third case that I'm going to share, which will be the one after uh, the break, is a bit more involved and I want to be able to take my time and just run you all the way through it and tell you what happened and what the result was. The second case is one from Georgia where a pawn shop operator returned a loaded gun to a customer and that led to uh, an unfortunate accidental shooting. So the hardware, um, the, uh, the pawn shop uh, took possession of a of a gun. Um, a woman by the name of Tiffany went to the pawn shop, operated by a family friend, uh, coincidentally, uh, to purchase a gun. The, uh, the pawn shop operator recommended a 38 caliber Saturday night special. So Tiffany goes and she buys this gun, and after she purchases it, the slide jammed, and so she went to return it. Well, when she got Back to the pawn shop, uh, she found that it was closed, but she knew the owner and, again, a friend, so she went to a nearby liquor store that he also operated, and he was there. So he took the gun while he's in his liquor store, and he's not able to unjam the slide, but he did remove the magazine. So even though there was a bullet in the chamber, um, he didn't say anything to, to Tiffany, uh, he noticed that the gun was also cocked. So he placed the gun back in the case and told Tiffany to return to the shop on Monday when another more experienced employee could repair it. He did not tell Tiffany that the gun was uh, cocked or that there was a bullet in the chamber. Well, my guess is you're already figuring out what happened. Later that day, Tiffany accidentally dropped the gun and it went off, striking her brother, a little 15-year-old boy, in the abdomen, and he died. So a lawsuit was filed, and it was filed against the owner of the pawn shop and the pawn shop, alleging that the owner was negligent 
and returning the gun to Tiffany with a live round still in the chamber. The gun manufacturer was also named as a defendant in the case, uh, claiming that uh, the gun was not manufactured properly as it was prone to unintended discharge when dropped, alleging that it was foreseeable that a gun can be dropped. Now, in this particular case, the manufacturer at that point had already filed for bankruptcy and did not appear or respond to the lawsuit. Uh, well, you know, sure, why would they? Uh, they're bankrupt. The court entered what is called a default judgment against the gun manufacturer for $2.2 million. And the case then went to trial against the pawn shop owner. Now, here's something pretty interesting. During cross-examination, the pawn shop owner said that, yes, uh, this was a bottom-rung handgun and one that he would not have recommended his family member purchase. So after that testimony, you're thinking to yourself, well, okay, this is a friend of his who he sold the gun to, but he wouldn't sell it to his family member. I'm already not liking this guy. Tiffany said that... Um, the young man who died suffered for about 20 minutes of conscious pain and suffering after the incident, after he was, he was struck by the bullet. The pawn shop owner argues that um, the gun manufacturer is solely at fault uh, for the in, inadequate manufacture of the gun, uh, and that further, if there is additional fault, it's placed on Tiffany for dropping the gun. Well, the jury didn't buy any of that. They awarded $6 million, including $4.5 million uh, for the wrongful death and another $1.5 million for his pre-death pain and suffering. In addition, the court awarded another $1.4 million for the pawn shop owner's failure to uh, their pawn shop owner's insurance company, I should say, uh, their failure to respond uh, to an earlier policy demand. Now, here's an interesting quirk in the law. When you, in any jurisdiction, in any type of case where there's a money damages sought, when you ask the insurance company to give you their policy limit, Okay, in a case like this, we talked about the first one, the $300,000 uh, for the other case, and the insurance company, the homeowner's insurance, paid the $300,000. In a case like that, where you make a demand for the full policy limit and the insurance company doesn't pay you, they don't agree, and then you go to court and you get a verdict well in excess of that, then having had the opportunity to settle for their policy limit, and that would have been their total financial exposure, but they didn't agree to pay the policy limit, well then, and in that case, if a verdict exceeds that policy limit by a significant amount, they are responsible for the full amount. So again, the court awarded $1.4 million because the insurance company for the pawn shop did not agree to pay their policy limit. So that brought the total recovery against all the defendants to $9.6 million. Now, there was a uh, 
an appeal to the case, as you might imagine. And from what I can understand, the appeal was the appeal was eventually dismissed. Guns are dangerous. There are those in our country who will say no. It's the people who have the guns in their possession, in their hands, who are dangerous. And you know what? I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. Just can't agree with that. If you have someone who is holding a balloon, a balloon is not dangerous. If they're holding a feather, a feather is not dangerous. Now, if you really want to get ridiculous, you can say, well, sure, if the balloon is filled with acid and I throw it at somebody's face and it breaks, and then that could be horrible for the person whose acid, the balloon acid was all over their face, sure. And a feather, well, if I take the end of the feather and poke you in the eye, yeah, it's dangerous. But there are some things which even the courts agree are inherently dangerous by themselves. And so a balloon, which is filled with air or with water and a feather, they are not inherently dangerous, but a gun is. So if you hear me advocating here a little bit, uh, I am, because I think when you have something that is inherently dangerous, you have to pay more and special attention and care to make sure that the potential danger isn't realized. I'm going to come back after the break, and I'm going to tell you about what I consider to be an extraordinarily interesting case. In the meantime, please listen to the the ad, if you will, that I have for my Samaco Club during the break, and I hope that you take advantage of the opportunity. As well, I want you to enjoy the break because I've got some very, very cute music that you're going to listen to that'll remind you uh, at, uh, uh, of the time when you were a child and, and you enjoyed that carnival ride. We'll be back, the legal merry-go-round. Not going to go to the break quite yet. I got to share this crazy, absolutely crazy story with you. I mean, like this is a jury just going absolutely nutso. This guy is crouched behind a car, stealing the hubcaps on the car. The driver of the car, the owner of the car, comes out of the house, gets in the car, doesn't see the guy stealing his hubcaps, and starts to back up, and he backs up over the hand of the hubcap stealer. The hubcap stealer sues the driver, the owner of the car, and are you ready for this? He wins $74,000. Boing! Okay, well, this is America. You never know what's going to happen. See you after the break. Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then, either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up. 
and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to thelegalmerrygoround.com. And now, back to the show. Well, we're back. Did you sign up for the Samaco Club? All right, I understand. You're going to do it after this show. And I'd also like to ask a few other favors of you. Please give me a review. I hope it's a five-star review. And please give me a rating. And please subscribe. This is a relatively new show for me. And your support is probably 99.5% going to be responsible for the success of my show here. And I would really uh, appreciate if you would do those kind things for me. We're talking about guns. We're talking about the potential that guns could hurt people, and if so, is there compensation that is going to come? And the answer is that, you know, many times, yes, there is compensation owing to gunshot victims or their families if individuals have died because of negligence theories. I want to talk about a case that that took place in Ohio in the 90s, early 90s, which I believe is partially responsible for the way that now gun show operators conduct their gun shows. This is a case, I'll give you the name, you could actually look it up if you're interested and read all about it, The uh, beyond the summary that I'm going to give you if you're interested in doing that. The case was called Pavlides versus Nile, Niles Gun Show, N-I-L-E-S, Niles Gun Show. And again, this was out of Ohio in the early 90s. So in this particular situation, the gun show promoters uh, were determined to have a duty to protect the public by providing adequate security for their merchandise, being guns and ammunition and that sort of thing. In this case, uh, two men sued the gun show. They were shot by teenagers who had stolen guns and bought high-powered ammunition at the show. The youths said the guns were laying around, and they just picked them up and walked away with them. Now, in most cases, Ohio law does not treat theft as foreseeable or hold owners responsible for anything done with stolen merchandise. Observers on this case, again, I think a seminal case, commented that the decision reflects the court's willingness to hold gun dealers responsible for keeping their guns secure from minors and felons. And they offered, the, uh, the observers and legal commentators, they offered that the reasoning could be applied to other gun sellers. So here is really exactly the, the facts of what happened here. Um, gun shows are typically put on by promoters 
who rents space to collectors and gun dealers and advertise the, the, uh, the show and charge admission for the public to come in. In this case, the promoter said he had a policy of refusing tickets to minors unaccompanied by adults whenever possible, but left securing the merchandise up to the booth renters. So here we have four boys, 13, 15, 16, and 17, who were admitted to the show on two occasions without challenge, no adults with them. While they were there, they stole numerous handguns. The youngest also bought hollow point bullets. So after this, the next day, um, two of these kids steal a car and went on a joyride smashing into trash cans. Some of the neighbors whose trash cans had been smashed chased them down, and the boys shot one in the chest and the other in the back of the head. Both men survived, but one was paralyzed from the waist down. The young man who shot and the, both of these people was convicted of two counts of attempted murder. Now, the gun show promoter testified as an expert witness, um, another gun show owner, I should say, testified as an expert witness that his standard safety procedures included keeping unaccompanied minors out and requiring merchants to secure guns by tying them down with ropes or cables or keeping them in cases and hiring security guards to patrol the show. That did not happen in this case. So here, when the case went to trial, there was originally a verdict for the defendants, not responsible. But the appeal court said that it is foreseeable that a gun in the hands of a minor will result in an injury. A quote from that court's opinion, reasonable minds certainly could conclude that unsecured firearms present an attractive, if not irresistible, lure to children. One of the lawyers for the plaintiff said the decision was appealed to the state Supreme Court. The state Supreme Court upheld the decision of the appellate court and said, yes, the gun show uh, promoter is going to be responsible. So when it went back down for a final trial to determine damages, the court said, uh, the, the verdict of the, the jury in that case uh, awarded $750,000 in compensation uh, against the gun show promoter and the gun show, and another $10,000 uh, in punitive damages. Again, I mentioned at the beginning, uh, at the end of, of the first half here, I should say, that this is an interesting case because it had a lot of, a lot of turns legally. In this particular case, um, the boys who were defendants, they didn't have any money. They were what we call judgment proof. And so here, a jury came back and decided that the defendants, all of them, the boys and the gun show promoter, uh, were responsible, again, $750,000 compensatory damages, 10000 punitive damages, a total course of 760000 They were all responsible. But because the boys, of course, had no money, and now one of them is in jail, this court, this state, Ohio, has a law 
which is called joint and several liability, which means that any one of the defendants is completely responsible for the whole thing. So the families of the two individuals, the, the gentleman who got shot, uh, ended up having the, the full ride. They had to pay the, the entire amount. But wait, there is an, an, a, another legal twist and turn here. The jury also said that the guy who gave chase who got shot, one of the two, this was uh, Mr. Pavlides, he was also negligent in chasing a car running away after the, uh, the youngsters driving the car smashed trash cans, and they held him 50% responsible. So at the very end, uh, only half of that $760,000 was paid by the, the gun show, and that was split, of course, in between the two people who were shot. Very, very interesting case and a, a, a seminal case, a, a, a landmark case, if you will, because I think now, not having ever been to a gun show, but having talked to many people who have, the security on those places is at its highest level, as it should be. You know, when you walk into a gun show and they're selling guns and ammunition, you want to make sure that there's not accidental discharge of those things. So they're sold. I'm sure that they're empty. The bullets are in a, uh, in a casing of their own. And then you leave and you go home. So uh, the gun show operators and promoters and the vendors at those shows are, I'm sure, taking all the precautions they need to take to make sure that if and when something bad does happen, they're not going to be responsible. Then it goes back to the individuals and how they're handling their guns in their homes and in their businesses. I don't think it's a stretch to say that if you are a gun owner, you should absolutely be using the highest level of caution to make sure that that gun doesn't get into the hands of individuals who may not understand fully the potential for danger, uh, exactly like children. So imagine that you're keeping it in a locked safe and your kids don't know the combination to the safe or don't have the key. I don't like when people get hurt. I go after people that hurt others. That's what I do. I'm a professional trial lawyer. I sue people when they injure other people. Most of my cases are uh, automobile collisions but I'll never forget I had a case many years ago involving a gun. A gentleman was in his house, and he was cleaning his gun. He was unaware that there was a bullet in the chamber, and it went off, and it went through his front bay window, and it struck my client, who was riding his bicycle, through the neighborhood. Just a normal, everyday, you know, neighborhood bicycle ride. And this gun shot him through the right side of his chest, went through his entire body, and went out the left side of his chest. This was an active 41-year-old man. He was a construction worker. He will never work again. This man has eight, I think eight or nine surgeries to repair internal organs. It took about four and a half years for him to get back to a status where he could walk up and down flight of stairs without uh, hyperventilating and, and losing, his, uh, losing his balance. 
we made a claim against the homeowner's insurance company. Uh, the insurance paid 300000 just like the first case I told you about. That was their limit of insurance. And so we recovered the 300000 for him, but it barely made a dent. His medical bills were over $900,000 for all these surgeries that he had and all the medical care. So in this particular situation, I'm proud to say that I was very effective in reaching out to all the medical care providers and getting discounts. So at the end, I was able to give this man a pretty substantial sum of money to compensate him for what happened, and he didn't have any more debt. I don't think the money made a single bit of difference in his life. I'm sure him, uh, he, his family and he wanted the money. I'm sure they, they used it, they needed it. But the alternative was that he didn't get hit and he didn't have any of the money. He would have been a much happy camper. And the irony of this is the, the circumstances that if he had ride, been riding his bike a little faster or a little slower, that bullet would have never hit him. Strange things happen in the world. Guns are dangerous. And the homeowner, this guy was all over himself with guilt. He was the nicest man. He couldn't, I don't think he, he will ever recover knowing what he did, even though it was a complete accident. Good people, unfortunately, sometimes have situations where as a result of what they do, bad things can happen. And he was negligent because he didn't make sure that the gun wasn't loaded. I hope that something like this never, ever happens to you or anyone you know, particularly your family members. This is what is called the legal merry-go-round, the ups and the downs, both legally and in life. Please stay safe. Please listen again next time. Thank you so much for your ear. Thanks for listening to the Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.